It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome. I'm Kim Munson with the Americhicks. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Um, bookkeeping things, we've got a really fabulous event on Monday, February 25th, 5 to 8 p.m. As you all know, I am partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter and his team over at Speakeasy Ideas to bring you Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. Uh, Dr. Cranawitter is creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers, and we are meeting the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. Great news, each lecture will stand alone. Uh, however, if you want to ensure a spot, uh, go to americhicks.com and click on the Vino and Veritas link and sign up. Actually, um, I think that we are on a wait list already on that. So you might email me, Kim at americhicks.com, so that I'm sure that I can get you on the, on the wait list. And we are going to address demand. A uh, great problem that we have is that it's sold out and we will address demand. Just not quite sure how we're going to do that yet. We're thinking about that. Uh, also, if you know someone that is doing a, an excellent job, cheerful, loving each day, let me know. I uh, would love to hear that as well. So, today's funnies. Jack walked into a sports bar around 9.58 p.m. He sat down at the bar next to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat uh, congresswoman from New York, and stared up at the TV as the 10 o'clock news came on. Well, the news crew was covering a story of a man on a ledge of a large building preparing to jump. Ocasio-Cortez looked at Jack and said, do you think he'll jump? Jack said, you know what? I bet he will. Ocasio-Cortez replied, well, I bet he won't. So Jack placed $30 on the bar and said, you're on. And just as Ocasio-Cortez placed the money that she had acquired by using government policy to take from others at at the bar, (laughs) I had to add that in there, Steve, the guy did a swan dive off the building, falling to his death. She was very upset and handed her $30 to Jack, saying, fair is fair, here's your money. Well, Jack replied, I can't take your money. I saw this earlier on the 5 o'clock news, and I knew he would jump. Ocasio-Cortez replied, I did too, but I didn't think he'd do it again. And there you have it. So, hey, uh, Steve, I am going to announce today that I am running for president on the Democrat ticket. Oh. <laughs> Along with Cory Booker, Marianne Williamson, Pete Buttigieg, I think, uh, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Richard Ajita, Andrew Yang, John Delaney, Elizabeth Warren, and Amy Klobuchar, I just thought I should join in. Wow, you had a lot more names than, you know, I wrote them down this morning. I, well, you have a lot more names than I did. Well, it took a little while to find them all, but uh, they're all there. Can you imagine what this is going to be like in the next, uh, you know, it's 21 months away from the general election or even just the primaries? 
I can't comprehend. It's going to be entertaining. It is going to be very entertaining. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just a little shocked at all these people jumping in. I also wonder what's going to get done in, uh, in the Senate because we've got a whole bunch of senators that are going to be running for office. I'm wondering if they're going to be there doing their job or they're going to be out there on the campaign trail. So, hey, another thing, this weekend I, I did a Facebook post. I saw this funny, funny picture uh, of this. Uh, it was after a rainstorm. It was a parking lot. It basically was standing water everywhere. And there is a guy who is standing on two plastic kind of toolboxes or whatever trying to unplug his electric car without getting electrocuted. So I decided to put a Facebook post up, and uh, on it... I said, uh, one of the unforeseen hazards of Governors Hickenlooper's and Polis's forced electric vehicle mandates. Well, it got quite a bit of play, quite a bit of shares, and I thought, you know, I'll just put a little money behind that and boost it so that it'll reach more people on Facebook. It was denied. They wouldn't let me do it. I saw your post, and uh, and we, you know, your guest is here, so we need to move on. But, uh, again, more and more of these... Uh, they, they, they come at us in, in different flavors, but the deal is, uh, you know, go ahead and you can get your solar, solar panels because there's $15 million available out of nowhere. You know, Governor Polis is doing this or doing that. But the interesting thing is when you open up the comments field, all the comments are the same. Where's this money coming from? Well, that's for sure. And tomorrow, I think, and I'll let you all know, but I think tomorrow is the hearing regarding the uh, uh, low emission vehicle and zero emission vehicle uh, legislation. Uh, Senator John Cook is pushing back on um, on uh, uh, the uh, uh, executive orders on that. So we'll let you know about that. Hey, another thing, an- another another group that doesn't have a sense of humor is the Douglas County School Board. And we've got on the line with us former president of the Douglas County School Board, Megan Silverthorne. Megan, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Good morning, Kim. Uh, I tell you what, it, nobody seems to have a sense of humor anymore. And what has happened down in Douglas County, let me set this up just a little bit, is, as many of you know, the Covington uh, kids from the Covington Catholic High School uh, in Kentucky was back in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life, whereas uh, basically, um, first of all, there there was a, a group that was just yelling all kinds of awful things at them, and then there was a Native American beating a drum that walked right up to one of the students, and the student just stood there. Uh, very respectfully, uh, but the media played it differently that the student was actually being disrespectful to the Native American instead of what really happened, the Native American moving into this kid's space. And um, so then what my understanding is is that there was a Douglas County teacher who actually uh, did, a, um, I think, a Facebook post or whatever, calling out a student from Covington High School. It was the wrong student. Uh, but and call them Hitler Youth. And then I guess there has been a parody Twitter account that has been created that is poking fun at the Douglas County School District and the board. And I guess that the school district asked Twitter to take that parody twi- uh, Twitter account down. Do I have that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, the, the school district actually chose to make a Twitter post that said, hey, heads up, the, the posts from this account are not legit. And, and then they said, we have asked Twitter, we have reported this to Twitter as if it's some kind of bad thing to parody them. They're very sensitive to this. 
Well, you know, and the other thing that I forgot to mention on this is there was a father who actually went to the Douglas County School Board meeting and uh, was asking about the social media policy because this teacher, and and actually this teacher was also on the board of the Douglas County um, Teachers Union because she had, you know, called out this kid, wrong kid, and then called him Hitler Youth. And uh, he named her name, which I guess, quote unquote, was against policy. Uh, and I tell you, it, it drives me crazy, all this, all this policy, because you can never get everything right with policy. Uh, but anyway, he was escorted out um, by law enforcement. And that was another one of the things that precipitated this um, parody Twitter account of which the Douglas County School Board and School District is taking great offense to. So, Megan, you've been... You've been, you know, sitting in those seats. Uh, what would be your comment regarding this this whole situation with uh, asking Twitter to take down this uh, parody uh, Twitter account? You know, I, I, and you and I have both been in public office, Kim. I, I know that when people react to what you do as a public official, they they I, they exercise their First Amendment rights all the time. They get upset with what you do. They poke fun at what you do. They they get you know, they get very creative in the ways that they express themselves. And honestly, if you're so sensitive as to say, oh, my goodness, well, I can't take any of that criticism, we have to point out that it's not legitimate and we have to ask a social media platform to take it down, then I would say, you know, maybe public office isn't for you. (laughs) Well, that may be the case. But, you know, if I remember right, this uh, many of these school board members, um, ran on the platform that they wanted to hear from the public, uh, that they wanted to be transparent, um, you know, regarding what they were doing. And it seems to me that, um, particularly with this this uh, asking Twitter to take down this account, that, A, they're not being transparent, they don't want transparency, and they're not really allowing people to, you know, uh, exercise their First Amendment rights, freedom of speech. No, I think that's absolutely right. At the the board meeting, when they asked that gentleman to leave, what they were saying is not only are the district staff and the board trying to follow the policy, but they're also forcing the community to do that. And the community are are citizens. They're not employees. They, They can say whatever they like to the board. The board doesn't have to engage them on things that they're not supposed to speak about publicly, but the citizens should be able to weigh in on what they consider to be a matter of great concern with the way the teacher treated the, that student, and erroneously, as you pointed out. Well, and my concern also is this teacher clearly, I, th- I think, has a bias against, um, you know, young Caucasian males. And um, uh, I'm, I would venture to say that she would bring that bias to the classroom as well. My understanding is is that the superintendent has recommended that she be dismissed. But there's a long process in Colorado to actually fire a teacher. Do you know where that process is right now, Megan? Yeah, as you said, the superintendent has recommended to the Board of Education that she be terminated, but she has many uh, what they call due process rights that's established in state statute. So she's certainly not gone yet. She probably has many appeals she could exercise. So we'll see what happens with that. But yes, her, her past statements were very concerning. She spoke against Christianity. She's spoken against conservatism, and she was very public about it on her own Twitter feed. Wow. So, hey, Megan Silverthorne, thank you so much for joining us. You're the former president of the Douglas County School Board. Any uh, final thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners this morning? You know, I think uh, being uh, in elected office and being part of 
uh, a public trust means that even if it's uncomfortable, you should commit to hearing all points of view, and you should make sure that, that you give the citizens a chance to be heard. That seems like that makes a lot of sense to me. Megan Silverthorne, thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks, Kim Munson. Okay. And uh, we're going to go to break. We've got quite a show planned for you today. Uh, next segment, we will have Jay Davidson, who is the uh, founder and CEO of First American State Bank. Um, we, we'll be talking about the Colorado economy and Tabor. And then the third and fourth segment, Michael Cutler, who is an expert on immigration. Uh, Steve had found this excellent uh, article, kind of a fact checker on immigration after President Trump's State of the Union address. And uh, so we thought that we would go through this with Michael Cutler to uh, kind of fact check the fact checkers to see if they were really factual on what they had to say. So before we go to break, though, um, my story with Hooters Restaurants is a story. It's a story of liberty, free markets and a conservatarian perspective. It stems from a time when I served as city councilwoman in Lone Tree. If you are more interested in learning more about this story, email me at Kim It's a really a fascinating story. Uh, on the other hand, I love sports, and individuals are working hard to be the best they can be to compete and to win. Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters, and now it's time to focus on the Nuggets and the Avs, plus March Madness is right around the corner. As a University of Kansas basketball fan, I love March Madness, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. So Hooters specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have them delivered right to your doorstep when the girls come over on Wednesday nights. I order Hooters new smoked wings. They're delicious and only half the calories. The girls love them. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back with Jay Davidson. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. 
agree or disagree, we need to be having these conversations. Be sure and check out my website. It's americhicks.com. That's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have a special treat for you right now. In studio is uh, Jay Davidson. He is the founder and CEO of First American State Bank. Love to get his read on what's going on in the economy. Jay Davidson, welcome. Well, it's nice to see you again, Kim. It's been a while. It's It's been a a while. Yeah, much too long. Love having these conversations with you because uh, there's such insight. You bring so much to the table. So let's talk a little bit about Colorado and the economy. There's a lot of wild stuff going on down at the state house right now. What do you what do you see? Is that going to be a problem for Colorado? Well, I tend to be a fiscal conservative, so I yes, I do think there'll be some problems in Colorado. Um, the constituents decided to give the Democrats. And I would say a far left wing portion of the Democrats, mm-hmm. not the moderate Democrats, full control of mm-hmm. both houses and the governorship. Um, that was their decision, and I respect that. However, I'm very concerned at the continuation of the nanny government. I'm very concerned about the state's incursion into our individual rights, uh, additional regulations, uh, and uh, additional fees and, and so forth. I uh, I suspect that Colorado's economy will remain strong for a couple of years until the uh, current crop of leaders, legislators, uh, get into Tabor. I'm very concerned about Tabor being changed. Uh, I do believe that controlling government spending is one of the most important things that uh, we as constituents can demand of our uh, state and federal government. And we've had a terrible record, both in the state and the federal government, on both the Republican and the Democratic side. It's been a bipartisan problem, that's for sure. Absolutely. So, Jay, you mentioned TABOR, which is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It was passed by the people of Colorado over about 25 years ago. An, An amendment to the Constitution, which it just makes common sense to me. In some ways, I'm surprised that we had to pass it, but basically it says to government... That if you want to grow government above a certain formula, and that formula, I think it's inflation and population, uh, then you have to ask the people. That seems like that makes a lot of sense to me. But politicians and bureaucrats don't like to ask the people because sometimes the people say no. And uh, so I think there is going to be a full-on assault on Tabor. Uh, Certainly Governor Hickenlooper, or former Governor Hickenlooper, before he left office, kind of took a parting shot at that. And now he's kicking the tires on maybe running for president, going all over the country to talk about this great Colorado economy. Jay Davidson, I would submit to you that one of the great things about the economy has been Tabor. I would agree with that. I I really don't see uh, Mr. Hickenlooper having had a lot to do with the Colorado economy. Um, there's been a net in-migration here, and that drives housing. Uh, that in-migration is, is uh, created by new jobs. The jobs are created by the businesses. The businesses are very sensitive to taxation, not because they pay it. They don't. They pass it on to their customer, the consumer, mm-hmm. but because it makes a big difference in uh, the long-term uh, viability of our state economy. And uh, I, I'm kind of disappointed in Mr. Hickenlooper because he came across as a very moderate Democrat, which I can get behind. I can agree with him, but turned out to be relatively uh, extreme, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Speaking of that, uh, you mentioned, well, I, I'm going to say a lurch to the far left that has occurred with this last election here in Colorado. And uh, I'm not sure that this group of politicians could have gotten elected if they would have really run on what they were going to do. It is some of the stuff that's coming uh, before the state house right now is shocking to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that everyday hardworking people understand that what they got is maybe something different from what they thought they were voting for. I'm afraid that in analyzing the um, sweep um, of the uh, Republican Party out of everything, I mean, Dave Welker, probably one of the finest sheriffs you could ask for. I know. Uh, George Brockler, an incredible DA. And, 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 the, and the attorney general we have that was voted in hasn't even really been in a courtroom. Never. His claim to fame is that his mother was a, a Holocaust survivor. And I respect that. I respect Certainly. his mother. Mm-hmm. What does he have to do with that? So I, th- there was a major sweep of the Republican Party. It was, it was devastating for the Republicans. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I look at it, I, I think, you know, walking around, doing uh, Halloween with my grandkids, walking around suburban neighborhoods. Uh, and right before doing, election uh, Right time before too. election, and I see all these signs up on these suburban homes. And I think that there was a Trump effect here, a negative Trump effect, honestly. And I'm, I'm pretty pro-Trump for a lot of things that he does, and I dislike a lot of things that he does also. But I think there was a, a, a suburban housewife uh, change that went from a more conservative, a fiscal conservative standpoint to an anti-Trump standpoint. Now, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. I pray that Mr. Trump will continue to moderate his rhetoric, uh, which is offensive uh, to everybody, but and, and, and that people start to look at what he's actually doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad, as I said. Tax reduction was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That, that, that blew the economy through the 1.5% GDP growth that we had before. For, for eight years under Barack Obama and his anti-business antics, and now we're hitting it two and a half, three percent gross domestic product, and that—that's the aggregate of all production in the United States. This is a phenomenal increase, and we're seeing it all over Colorado and all over the nation. And the beauty of this thing um, is that it—it it raises the level of income for everybody, and it puts more people in jobs, which raises their levels of income, and it takes more people off welfare, which I think is actually morally unjustified but that's a whole other discussion well we'll have to certainly we'll bite that off maybe next time that you're in but the point that you're making is this rising tide it lifts all the boats so no matter what the descriptor might be uh, black hispanic woman lgtb you know it's basically impartial to that absolutely and that is one of the things that if in fact this trump economy is given the real legs to continue on. I think that uh, that suburban mom is going to start to s- see some results. Like It's like, it's better for my kids. It's, I'm, we're, I have more money in my pocket. My children, when they get out of, of college or when they get out of high school, they have jobs. And, and I think that if, if that is, you know, is enabled to, to continue on, I think that it's going to bode very well for Trump in 2020, and I think it's going to bode very well for the American people, no matter what the descriptor is. Um, I hope so. I really do. Um, I have concerns about the uh, voting public and the longevity of their memories. Um, I 
now I'm I'm about seven decades old, so I've been able to remember a few things. Uh, fortunately, uh, so I, I I think we need to continue the path on economic um, freedom because mm-hmm. to me economic freedom is the first freedom um, and with that comes all other freedoms um, you sound like maggie thatcher you know that's yeah, what she said oh, you know maggie thatcher. economic freedom is the key to political freedom yeah i met maggie once at a du event and really? very petite lady but and for some reason i thought she's about seven foot five exactly but when she spoke that woman was powerful. She was seven foot five. Then. She was seven five and muscles all over. Oh. She was brilliant and, uh, but a very elegant, very very petite, very small lady. But what a what a mind. Yeah, you know, and she really understood that. And Reagan, uh, he understood that as well. He lowered taxes, and tried to roll back rules and regulations, and and we we actually were looking. We we could almost see four percent GDP growth before the Democrats took. You know, took the house in November, and uh, I, I see them trying to do everything they can to pull this economy back. Because if the economy becomes really successful, it's going to be difficult for them to continue to sell these socialist policies. I I wonder if they are unaware of the net effect of their socialist policies, and I also wonder if some Republicans are. Because I think I'm very disappointed in a lot of Republicans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about Tabor and we talked about spending. Um, they go hand in hand. And what, I th- what I'm seeing is that there's not so much a Democrat-Republican divide today as a big government, centralized, controlling, socialistic government versus the rest of us who want our freedom. We want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Let us do – we'll follow the laws that are legal and, and appropriate and moral and ethical always – but leave us alone and stop taxing us to death. Stop regulating us to death. Let us do our thing. We're not out here to try and maim people or hurt people or steal their money. That doesn't make any sense to any one of us out in the, the real economy. Um, so I'm, I'm asking my friends to consider even Colorado Republicans who are big government Republicans. And by that I mean when you say here's a problem and their first answer is, oh, well, the government can fix I that. Know. I mean, you, you heard it with, with, with our own guys. You heard it with Trump. You know, as much as I like what he's doing, he's still missing the boat. He wants to do child care. I who's know. This, who's going to solve that problem? The government? I know. Are you people nuts? That was, that was something that, as I listened to the speech, I'm like, oh, I, I don't like that one. But there was a lot that I liked in the speech, uh, for sure, when he gave the State of the Union. Jay Davidson, we are just about out of time. Uh, love these wow. conversations with you. Uh, and I goes think fast. it goes way too quickly. But to protect Tabor, I think that that is one of the things that we really need to focus on during this legislative session, uh, because I think there will be an assault. Instead of using the word taxes, they'll just use the word fees and try to get around it. And there's something disingenuous when politicians try to do that. So, Jay Davidson, First American State Bank, thank you so much. Thanks, Kim. Look okay. forward to it. Okay, thanks. A great conversation with Jay Davidson and another great conversation. I uh, wanted to talk to Jason McBride. Jason, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I, I heard your conversation. I think I told you once they're going to try to change Tabor to Tobor, which will be the taxpayer's optional bill of rights. <laughs> It'll be their option which rights you get. Uh, unfortunately, there. I'm I'm laughing a little bit, but I'm not laughing because I think that you're absolutely right. So, 
Chase McBride, uh, we've come through a lot of the earnings uh, reports just recently. What do you see for the market coming up this week? Well, uh, prediction is hard, especially when it concerns the future. Uh, That's what (laughs) Yogi Berra said, and I'll stick with him on that. But uh, so far, so good. Earnings have been pretty decent. Of course, the jobs report uh, was very, very strong, and the market has been almost nothing but purely happy uh, since December 24th when we hit the bottom, Kim. So, as I talked about, a couple of the indexes are coming up to what could be considered a little bit of resistance. Uh, looks like we got a little bit of a pullback the last couple of days, but nothing serious. So um, I would just like to see most of the indexes pop above the highs they made last week, and then let's see if we can continue on higher. Okay, well, that, that sounds like a plan, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. What about uh, the Social Security classes that you had? I, I know people were emailing me that were trying to get into the classes. Uh, how did that go? Well, I think they went really well. I know uh, Thursday night was real cold, so a lot of people might have stayed home. Uh, All I'd say is if you couldn't make it uh, and you have a need for this information, don't hesitate uh, to give us a call and just come in and see one of our fine advisors one-on-one. They can help you answer any questions you might have about the subject. Uh, show you some of your numbers and uh, whatever else you need. And uh, no pressure, no cost, no obligation. Well, and truly, knowledge is power. And uh, you'd mentioned last week uh, that this is really an important part of people's investment portfolio, so it's important to understand that. So if people want more information, and the landing page is chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And uh, the phone number over there at Presidential Wealth Management is 303-694-1600. 303-694-1600. Jason McBride, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, Kim. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Michael Cutler, uh, you you all know him. He's been a guest uh, several times on the show, and he is so knowledgeable regarding immigration. He's an expert on that. He worked with the INS, which was the Immigration Natural Naturalization uh, Services, which I think was the precursor to ICE. And uh, CBS had done a, a fact check on what President Trump had said in his State of the Union address regarding immigration. And uh, producer Steve said, hey, you know what, let's get Michael Cutler on and sh- just see what he has to say about the fact checker. So we're going to fact check the fact checkers. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. The Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I'm dissecting issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. My website is americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have on the line with me is Michael Cutler. He is 
an expert on immigration. He has testified in front of Congress. He was a former special agent with the INS. Uh, and uh, so we wanted to fact check the fact checkers on CBS's um, um, piece that they did after the State of the Union address regarding immigration. So, Michael Cutler, welcome. Kim, thank you so much for having me on the show. I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, great to join you. And it's sad what the Tiffany Network seems to have become. <laughs> That's all I can say. It, it is astounding. Now, we're going to tr- try to stay on task and get through all nine of these, if at all possible. Okay. So the first one okay. that they said, the question was, how do most unauthorized immigrants enter the United States? And they said, fact, two-thirds of the recent unauthorized immigrant population entered the U.S. on valid visas then stayed in the country after that visa expired. And their source was the Center for Migration Studies. So what's your comment on that, uh, Michael Cutler? Okay. The first thing, and, and I want to make this a little bit of a quick tutorial for your listeners. Okay. Whenever you see an article and they quote sources like you just did now, what you need to do is go to the website of the source they're quoting and look at their mission statement. Sometimes it's called about or about us. And you will find out that that source actually has an extreme bias um, to bring more immigrants, quote unquote, including illegal aliens into the United States. It's an advocacy group for open borders, basically. So that's where we begin by looking at that. Don't just say, well, they quoted a source. Who in the world are they quoting? So that's the first order of business with all of these articles, no matter where you are. Now, the second point is we don't know the exact numbers, okay? And and, and we're going to get to that with some follow-up points. And and I hate that they use the word fact. Like, this is it. It's cast in stone because we wrote it. It's the fact. We don't know how many illegal aliens are in the United States. We've been hearing for years there are 11 million. And so... Suddenly, MIT and Harvard did a study, and I, I write frequently for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. I address that issue. And Harvard and MIT, I would say they're kind of reliable and probably liberal-leaning. By the way, I'm a registered Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat because <laughs> the Democrats have gone off the rails. They're seditionists and anarchists at this point. Um, but, but So what they said is maybe there's at least double that number, maybe 25 million. I would argue there's even more. Sanctuary cities have a don't ask, don't tell policy. How in the world do you know how many illegal aliens are present in the United States when law enforcement in New York and California and elsewhere are prohibited from even asking people they arrest as to whether or not they're American citizens? So we have no idea, okay? And we do know that a significant number, it used to be standard that they would estimate 40% of the illegals were what I would call visa violators. It's not just that they overstay. That's not a big deal. It's that they're committing crimes or violating the terms of their admission by not attending the schools they were admitted to attend or taking jobs they're not authorized to take, thereby displacing Americans. So that's hardly a fact. The numbers are in dispute. And what's the point? The point is they're going to say, well, if that's the case, we don't need a fence on the wall or a wall on the border or a fence on the border, because that's going to be the underlying premise. Since more than half are visa violators, let's ignore the Mexican border is almost what they're saying, isn't it? Well, that is actually what they did say. They said that means a wall would not have prevented two thirds of the country's recently undocumented immigrants from illegally entering the U.S. So, uh 
Yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. I think you've answered the second question, how many unauthorized immigrants live in the United States. We don't know. Um, Don't ask, don't tell. Let's go to point number three. How many people are caught attempting to illegally cross the southern border every year? It says now fact uh, in 2018, uh, the year ending September 30, 2018, Almost 400,000 people were caught illegally crossing the border, and the source was the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. What do you think about that? Okay, uh, ABC News just reported yesterday that CBP, Customs and Border Protection, just released new statistics. I was just on Fox and Friends first at the ungodly hour of 4 o'clock this morning, 4.15 this morning. <laughs> well, that way you were up uh, for my show. <laughs> I, uh, yes, well, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm up late or up early. Or <laughs> I, I get it. I'm I get suffering it. jet lag without going anywhere. <laughs> but, but apparently there's been an 84% spike in the number of illegal entrants who are being arrested. And let's remember, everyone's fascinated by the arrest numbers. That's just the percentage. That's just the aliens who were caught. We still don't know who wasn't caught. So, so here's the problem. We don't know if the Border Patrol catches one out of five, two out of seven, three out of nine. We have no idea. So we, we love numbers. But remember, liars, uh, was it figures don't lie, but liars can figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, if you really want the best metric for border security, this may shock you and your audience. It has nothing to do with immigration arrests. By the way, immigration arrest, as I told Neil Cavuto a long time ago, is kind of like taking attendance by asking people not present to raise their hand. It's, you know, how do you want to interpret it? Did the Border Patrol get better or worse at doing their job? Did the smugglers get better? Or, you know, so what does it mean? The most reliable statistic has nothing to do with aliens. It's the price and availability of heroin and cocaine. None of those poisons are manufactured in the United States. Every gram has been smuggled into the country. The demand for heroin has never been higher. The price has never been lower. This goes in the, flies in the face of economic theory. When the demand goes up, the price goes up, unless you have an unlimited supply. And if, in fact, we have an unlimited supply, doesn't that tell you all you need to know about the state of border security? Well, and so let's jump to number seven uh, on this fact check by C- CBS. The question, parade, yes. <clears throat> yeah, it says, how do illegal drugs enter the country? This is their fact. The vast majority of illegal drugs like heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl entered the country through legal entry, entry points known officially as ports of entry. They said their source is the U.S. Department of Justice Drug Enforcement Administration. It says only a small percentage of heroin seized by U.S. Customs Border Patrol agents was found along the land border between ports of entry. Cocaine, they said DE, the DEA said it's uncommon to see very large shipments of cocaine headed toward the U.S.-Mexico border. Fentanyl enters uh, the country from China via mail. And then they said by way of the southern border. Uh, so what do you think about that? They're trying to kind of <clears throat> blow holes on on the, the fact that Donald Trump said that we have all these illegal, illegal drugs that are coming across the southern border. Well, and, and we do. And, and again, let's understand what they're saying. Let's, let's look at the words. Their focus is on where the drugs are being seized. They're being seized at ports of entry. I could make an argument that maybe we're so good at ports of entry that nothing is getting past the port of entry, and that's why so much is being seized there, okay? But yet, America is awash in drugs. With the great job the inspectors at ports of entry, and for the beginning of my career, I was an immigration inspector assigned to Kennedy Airport, and then I spent half my 30 years with the drug task, with the drug task force and with DEA intelligence, so I, I kind of 
you know, have my expertise in, in both of these realms. We're looking at what's seized, not on what's getting in. When cargo and ent- people enter without inspection by running the border, there's no record of that entry, is there? So we, again, don't know. But here's what we do know. With the case of aliens or drugs, any amount is unacceptable. And if you think about terrorists, and, and this is a very big concern because we have terrorist a- uh, operations throughout Latin America. There were hearings in April by the Homeland Security Committee, and just two weeks ago, the Senate Intelligence Committee called upon the leaders of the intelligence community, the head of the FBI, the head of CIA, the head of the National Office of Intelligence, which oversees the whole deal. And there was a lot of discussion at the hearing of vulnerabilities created along the Mexican border. We have Hezbollah operating in close coordination with the human traffickers, drug smugglers, and drug cartels in Latin America. Number one is a source of revenue for Iran and Hezbollah. Number two, by moving people into the United States, they're afforded opportunities to move sleeper agents into the United States. And a number of Iranian sleepers have already been arrested in the United States. In point of fact, during the re-election of President Obama at that time, Iranians were arrested along the Mexican border. They had entered through that border. They were seeking to blow up the Saudi embassy, kill the Saudi ambassador, and perhaps take out the Israeli embassy in Washington as well. And they were moving back and forth across the Mexican border. El Chapo Guzman is on trial in New York City for allegedly moving hundreds of tons of cocaine, heroin, meth, uh, fentanyl, and marijuana into the United States. Remarkably, New York is where the trial is. Why New York? Well, because New York was the hub for his drug activities on the East Coast. Now think about this. Why was the New York, why was New York City the hub? It's got the biggest, most sophisticated, best trained and equipped police department in the country, if not the world, because New York is a sanctuary city. And when you're dealing with terrorists, it doesn't take many terrorists to create huge tragedies. On 9-11, 19 hijackers killed many more people that were lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. The death toll is not yet finished counting on 9-11. We're losing an average, I believe the, the report was, a, a first responder every two weeks is now dying from illness that's directly attributable to the toxins they were exposed to when the towers came down. So just a handful of terrorists gaining entry to the United States could wreak havoc on America, and that border is a huge problem. I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine a while back, and I referred to border security and the immigration colander because there are so many ways of coming to the United States. The real takeaway is this. A border wall by itself will not get the job done okay this is a multifaceted problem that's a multi-front war during the second world war we built fleets of airplanes and ships and tanks and atom bombs to take care of a variety of challenges that we faced and it took us all the 44 months to get the job done Um, look i compare a wall on the border to a wing on the airplane without the wing the airplane doesn't fly but a wing by itself goes nowhere what's stunning to me is that The other side, CBS, the globalists, the Democrats, and all too many Republicans, by the way, I have to add, really see immigration as a delivery system. And so they're willing to spend money on nonsense to make sure that those deliveries of cheap labor, foreign students, and foreign tourists continue without interruption, and especially clients for immigration lawyers. Bob Goodlatte was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He oversaw immigration. 
before he came to Washington. He was an immigration lawyer. His area of specialty were the H-1B visas. He told me about how his son was an expert on computer programming because his son's a computer executive. Well, guess what? His son wants more H-1B visas. So you have the Republicans trying to add H-1 visas, H-1B visas uh, when, in fact, Americans are being displaced. The Democrats are looking to bring in cheap foreign labor, and I believe that their goal is to destroy the middle class because as people have a tougher time making ends meet, they will vote for the party that promises to help to bail them out of their financial crisis. Hey, Michael uh, Cutler. Republicans, it's the Democrats. You know what? Let's go to break. This is fascinating information, and so uh, we'll go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're talking with Michael Cutler. He is an expert on immigration and going through fact-checking CBS News's uh, recent fact-check on uh, President Trump's State of the Union address. So this is Kim Munson. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. With all of my Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have on the line with me Michael Cutler. Uh, he is an expert on immigration. He's a former special agent with the INS. He's uh, testified in front of Congress. He is a go-to guy across the country uh, on TV and radio. So, Michael Cutler, great to have you here. We're, we're going through this CBS fact check on uh, President right. Trump's State of the Union address. Let's jump into three of the questions all have something to do with uh, asylum. Uh, the first one is, okay. is asylum a form of illegal immigration? How many immigrants claimed asylum last year? And how many immigrants show up for their court dates? So go ahead and bite those three things off. I think they're all related. Sure. Asylum itself, of course, is not illegal immigration. But when people lie on the application for asylum, that's a problem. That's a felony. It's called immigration fraud. The 9-11 Commission, to which I provided te testimony, I, I investigated and arrested terrorists in my career, um, the 9-11 hijackers committed immigration fraud to enter the United States. So did others. They did my very first hearing back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years prior to 9-11. It was called by the House Immigration Subcommittee because of the two terror attacks carried out in the United States in 1993. January 93, uh, the shooting at the CIA by Amil Kansi, a Pakistani national who had applied for asylum. And then one month later, the bombing at the Trade Center that left six dead, over a thousand injured, almost brought the towers down sideways and inflicted a half billion in damages to the to the complex. And if you look since then, the Boston Marathon, uh, that attack was carried out by two brothers whose family came here on visas. They then claimed political asylum, saying we have a credible fear we can never go back to Russia. As soon as we gave them political asylum, guess what? They went back to Russia. Obviously, they committed fraud. So. 
yes, you are applying for asylum is certainly not an act of illegal immigration. But we know that the great majority of aliens from Latin America who apply for asylum are, are rejected. And yes, maybe they show up for the hearings, and I'm not sure what the numbers are. I have to go back, and, and again, because they're using a, a crafty use of language. And, and this use of language, by the way, has nothing to do with political correctness. Just like the word alien, it's not politically correct to not say alien. It's Orwellian to not say alien. The term alien simply means any person not a citizen or national of the United States. So this nonsense that we're being politically correct, no, I, I'm politically correct. You'll never hear me use the N-word or any disgusting word like that. But the term alien simply means any person who's not a citizen or national. And by the way, the A in DREAM Act is alien. Suddenly it becomes palatable when you can use it to further the agenda. So let's be clear. Asylum is not illegal immigration, but fraud in the applications is a crime. And in, in point of fact, what they don't talk about is how many aliens, when they are denied their applications for asylum, abscond. And the numbers there are off the charts. They take a shot at it. They figure if we get it, we get it. That's great. And if we don't, we disappear. And where do they go? Sanctuary cities. And let's remember, ICE has only about 6,000 agents for the whole country. TSA has 45,000, okay? The New York City Police Department has 38,000 cops. We have 6,000 ICE agents for all of America, and at least half of them are doing customs, not immigration work. Let's remember the C in ICE is customs. This is a failure by design. I wrote a major article for a publication called The Social Contract. I called it Sanctuary Country Immigration Failures by Design. Both parties do not want secure borders or effective immigration law enforcement, and that's why President Trump has been getting one hell of a beating every time he has tried to build a wall and enforce immigration laws because both parties are in opposition to him. You know, Michael Cutler, uh, President Trump intuitively understands the importance of making sure that that southern border is secure. As you mentioned, a, a border yep. wall or a, a border fence, it's just one component of the whole thing. And the fact that uh, we've got, as you mentioned, both Democrats and Republicans that are standing in the way, quite frankly, uh, Paul Ryan uh, when we had uh, both the House and the Senate, they could have gotten this done, and they didn't get yep. it done. But President Trump and in- John Boehner before him, and John Boehner was no better. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce is the reason why we have a visa waiver program. On 9/11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. That program should have ended the morning after 9/11. Instead, it was expanded to 38 because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce partnered with the hotel, hospitality, travel, and manufacturing associations because they want open borders. When I was at a hearing, someone affiliated with them told me that borders were an impediment to his wealth. What do you think of that? And wow. I said they're our first and last line of defense. Wow. Two more a level of greed I've never seen before, i got to tell you, Kim. Well, you know what, and uh, we, we have got to make sure that we keep everyday hardworking Americans safe. And again, I think Donald Trump intuitively understands that. Two more questions. Let's try to bite these Good. off. Uh, I think we know the answer, Good. but do illegal immigrants commit more violent crimes than legal residents? Now, the Cato Institute, who I, I typically like very much, is one of the sources, as well as the University of Wisconsin. I think I know the answer, but uh, again, do illegal immigrants... Immigrants commit more violent crimes than legal residents. Uh, the CBS said no. What do you say? Much, 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 much more crime. Okay? Lawful immigrants commit much less crime than U.S. citizens. They have something to lose. Think of what they went through to get their green cards and lawful status. 
illegal aliens account for a big percentage, disproportionate percentage. 30% of the federal inmate population are aliens who shouldn't be here. They don't account for 30% of our population. But again, it doesn't matter when you're a liar. You just lie, and you hope nobody catches on to the fact that you've lied. And that's exactly what this woman did. And using the term fact, rather than saying there are studies that show it wasn't softened. And, you know, I'm always very careful. I really hate to say this is a fact unless I really have cold, hard facts to substantiate it. Everything she said was a fact, colon, you know, boom, capital letters, fact. We don't know how many are here. We don't have the exact numbers. We don't know anything about what's going on in sanctuary cities. But through her magic wisdom, I I guess like the mighty Karnak, she knows what the facts are. Kind of astonishing. Well, yes. And, hey, Michael Cutler, congratulations. We have gotten through all nine. This last one, I actually know the answer to this because I sat on a board. Uh, But let's go ahead. Uh, The question is, are undocumented immigrants eligible for government-sponsored welfare programs? She says fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that five-year nonsense that she quoted is under the law. If you come as a resident and go on welfare within five years, you become subject to deportation, something that Donald Trump wants to do. But sanctuary cities will take them day one and give them everything. And, you know, one of the things i got to just mention this to you, you know, all the sympathy for the, for the illegal alien, none for the lawful immigrant who must feel like a damn fool going through the process and seeing people jump the line, get free everything, and and they had to wait years. Uh, My youngest son has a form of autism. But because of early intervention, he just graduated with an engineering degree with honors and got hired by his dream company. Uh, We had a celebration you can't begin to imagine. Congratulations. Now, what they're doing is money for these programs that was so instrumental in giving him a full, wonderful, brilliant future, God willing, Uh, The money is being cut and being spent on English as a second language. The Congressional Budget Office did a study back in 2007 that said that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. Think about the mayhem that creates the public school systems from coast to coast and border to border. Why does no one talk about that? Well, and one other quick thing. I just saw that there is an outbreak of typhus in Los yep. Angeles. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be something that's going to start to get these suburban women's um, attention as we realize that this is bringing in uh, diseases and illnesses that really so could hurt their story. kids. This goes back to my son. We know that people don't want to have their kids vaccinated. They worry about the possible nexus between autism and vaccinations. So whenever there's an epidemic, the open borders folks will say, oh, the parents didn't want their kids vaccinated. They're the reason. How about the kids that are coming across the border who've never been to a doctor in their lives? You know, Ellis Island, we hear so much about it. It was a quarantine station. It was the biggest hospital facility in the United States when it opened. Uh, And nobody wants to remember that. Am I not right? You're absolutely correct. Michael Cutler, we are out of time. And congratulations. We got through all of these. And basically, uh, the facts that this woman said that she uh, was checking, she... She really didn't do her work on that. So thank you for bringing no, light please, to that. You got to play whack-a-ball. Please go to my website. It's michaelcutler.net and check out frontpagemag.com. Exactly. You betcha. And that's michaelcutler.net, michaelcutler.net. So thanks so much. Have a great day.
Okay. Can be well. Okay. And uh, our quote for today is Ronald Reagan on legal immigration. He said, I received a letter just before I left office from a man. I don't know why he chose to write it, but I'm glad he did. He wrote that you can go to live in France, but you can't become a Frenchman. You can go to live in Germany or Italy, but you can't become a German or an Italian. He went through Turkey, Greece, Japan, and other countries. But he said anyone from any corner of the world can come to live in the United States and become an American, because America is an idea, but we need to make sure that the people coming in here appreciate the American idea. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChick signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Like a new moon rising fierce Through the rain and lightning Wandering out into this great unknown And I don't